What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Guy. That's John. You hey. are watching us live on YouTube, or maybe you're listening to us on the podcast feed. It's uh, it's trade lion season. Well, I mean, when the NFL went to 17 weeks, 17 games, and moved the Super Bowl back a week, I saw Kawakami tweet this because someone's like, "Why is the combine next week?" <laughs> And Tim was like, well, when they moved everything back a week, they didn't move everything back a week. They just moved the end of the season back a week, but they didn't move the offseason back a week. I think and the so combine has been moved back over the last like five years, a week or two. So it, did it used to be this close to the 16 game season? It used to be right after the Super Bowl, which was earlier. It yeah. used to be in the middle of February, if gotcha. I remember correctly, probably okay. somewhere between give or take. Anywhere from the 10th to the 15th. Now it's starting in the mid to late 20s. Um, now, in fairness, some teams like the Niners and Chiefs are just kind of getting their shit together. If you're the fucking Bears, what have you been doing for two months? Right? It's not like they've been doing it. The majority of the league did not play in the playoffs. That's true. I forgot that we we exactly. were doing championship content up until the very end. But even think about like uh, Howie Roseman or McVay and those guys. They've been off for a while. Even if you yeah. lose in the first round of the playoffs, you've had right. That's two well, extra. Not weeks. Sirianni. Sirianni's been working, working to keep his job. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw he took Vic and, and Kellen and Nuss Nuss Myers, their quarterback coach. Oh, to uh, either Pats or Geno's. Fangio, he sure wasn't passed up that meal, but. Uh, you know, Kellen and Nussmeyer was a was a match I didn't see. The, the, oh, those guys are very, very close. Cowboys, he took them with him to, to Chargers. And I bring yep. them with, that's like a combo. Did Nussmeyer coach, uh, Doug Nussmeyer, former Fresno State offensive coordinator, uh, did he coach a get? I think he was there post-Kellen Moore, right? Kellen Moore was, had left Boise by the time Nussmeyer got to Fresno State, I think. Kellen Moore was not beating Jim McElwain's offensive team. Kellen, Kellen Moore's first year starting in 2008 was Doug Nussmeyer's one year at Fresno State. Because remember, we went there, Ian Johnson, they chanted Ian, they beat the dogs like 70 to 10. And remember, they let like the fifth year senior start the game. Bush Hamden. Threw a pick six to Damian Owens and yep. then immediately we brought had Kellen him, in. <laughs> and then brought Kellen in and I, I think they scored 60 unanswered. That was Nussmeyer's first year? Well, only year. Remember, then he went with Sark to Washington. Yeah, but he he came before or after McElwain, Fresno State history. Year year after. By the way, we have a listener, John, who DM'd me the other day because he just started his new job, 
as uh, his name's Jaden. Do you know what I'm about to say? He just started his new job as um, Fresno State's director of player personnel. Wow. He was at Sac State with Troy Taylor before. And uh, he sent me DM the other day because he went up and talked to our boy, Tim Skipper, Bulldog legend. So anyway, all, all worlds who's collide. He, who's he working for right now? Teddy Bear? Je- Jeff Tedford, I believe, yeah. <laughs> From what I can tell. I just I, I typed in 2008 Boise State, Fresno State. The uh, the final score was 61 to 10. To 10. It was the uh, only touchdown. I think it picked six to start the game on senior day. <laughs> Bush Hamden, I think, is Boise's OC still. He was there last year. They uh, uh, did not bring it up to him. Yeah, Bush Hamden. 0 for 1, 0, 0, 0, 1 INT, pick six. Uh, they outscored the dogs in the second half, 48 to nothing. So, uh, yeah, rough. I remember it very clearly because I was like, we fucking, we got these dudes. <laughs> Fresno State was celebrating like crazy pick six to start the game. It is odd. And I then Kellen came in and shut that shit down. Ian, Ian. I, it might have been his last game. Remember the famous Boise State touchdown against Oklahoma? Yeah. He proposed to his girlfriend. Uh, he was just, I think he had 130 yards in that game, but he mm. was obviously, you know, would you say Ian Johnson's one of the more famous players in Boise State history? Yeah. Byron Hout. Who got punched by the, Blunt. Would, would you say Kellen Moore's the most famous player in Boise State history? Yeah. Um, if you say really, Boise really, State football, do you say Kellen Moore? You say Kellen Moore, yeah. Um, I mean, he's one of the great college football players of all time, really, Kellen Moore. Yeah. Who's honestly, I, I think it's pretty cool that he's just – you. If you would have told me this guy's going to be a coach because his dad was a coach, you would have thought like college football. Uh, he's pretty entrenched in the National Football League. The Cowboys, now the Eagles. He just coached Herbert. Like this, he's kind of in the mix of what if Hurts looks good next year? I mean, you're, you're telling me he's the next head coach of Philly? Back on a head coaching track in Philly? Yeah. Nussmeyer knows he's the future OC in Philly. Take over for uh, Sirianni. Broaden is uh, not his backstabber, but his replacement. I read an article on The Athletic. I'd recommend it on Shane Steichen. He really, I mean, he was kind of like a, uh, a a rocket ship when it came to football since high school. He played, I think he played at Folsom or Oak Ridge or Oak one, Ridge. Of the sac- one of the Sacramento. They were a power when he was there. And the stories in high school, Austin Colley was his teammate that they would be seen on Saturday and Sunday going over mistakes from the game in the stadium. Like, th- these guys were wired. It's like, is this like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? Now, obviously, he wasn't. Austin Colley was an NFL guy. This guy went to UNLV. I don't think he was a very good player. He maximized every ounce. But even UNLV coaches in the article wrote that, like, you would just be hanging out in, like, a spring day, and all of a sudden you would hear something. And you would look over it, and it would be Shane Steichen, the quarterback, pushing, you know, like uh, something with a lot of weight on it with like the assistant, assistant strength coach screaming at him, like, keep pushing Shane. And they're like, this guy fucking is a grinder. So that wow. was reading that article, you just went, I think the Eagles would like that one back because they had, because even Jonathan Taylor in that article was like, Anyone blaming him for that final play when we threw it to the third string running back and he dropped it and we lost the game to get into the playoffs. This guy, he's he basically said, 
this was in his final press conference. None of you guys asking me if it was a bad play call ever because he wasn't in the game and he's like, I was exhausted and injured. Ever question anything this guy did all season long with a backup quarterback? Like, yeah, the play didn't work. The guy dropped it. It hit him in the fucking hands. Not a great throw from Gardner Minshew, but this guy, he's pretty fucking good. You know, he really, you read these articles, like he's kind of crazy like a McVay or Kyle. Mm. And what was his tree? What tree? Is he a tree? Is he off somebody's tree? I think he was with Sirianni in San Diego under North Turner and Frank Reich, like kind of that crew. Okay. I think that's how he broke into the NFL. Could be wrong, but at, yeah, he, he, I mean, that's how uh, Sirianni knew him for the Chargers. He was with the North who was, uh Browns in 13. Who was there in 13 with the Browns? I mean, they've had about 55 head coaches. I don't know. Browns in 13. Not mm, Chadzinski. Steichen, Chris Tabor, Scott Turner, Drew Petzig. Why do we knew Drew Petzing? Oh, he's the OC in Arizona now. He was there. What was he like? Nineteen years old? Intern is what it's listed as. Football. I've never seen Football Reference list an intern. You see who Kubiak uh, hired as his wide receiver coach in New Orleans? Uh, oh no, Keith Williams. Coach Dub reunited with Derek Carr. Yeah. What's his, what's his like handle? Like a uh, cute, like receiver guru uh, or something. Yeah. White, white out something. White yeah. out gorillas or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you see, I did a pod earlier Wednesday morning. Did you see the uh, Kawakami's guess of Jeff Ulbrick as the uh, 49ers defensive coordinator? And is that what, because you can't block someone from calling plays if you don't call plays, even though he calls plays there? I guess, yeah, I, I he said uh, he's their DC. Like I read a couple articles about him. Like he's their defensive coordinator. Solid does not call the plays. No, this guy's the defensive coordinator from the field. Um, backwards hat because there are new because there are new rules right about like if he was the DC but only in title only, you couldn't block him in this modern day rules from taking a job if he had the chance to call plays. From what I know about him, he's blockable. But so either my, my thing was there's either means two things. One, like should be alarmed that they're just happy to let their not happy, but they would just let him go. Or two, maybe they really respect him and he really wants this job and he played for the Niners, blah, blah, blah. Kyle but knows him. Kyle worked with him in Atlanta. Yeah, Kyle worked with him. Play, he played. He knows the, the thing Kyle Kami wrote was he has good relationships in the organization. Then I watched a video of Ulbrich mic'd up on the Jets in a practice, and he's like saying hi to Woody, shaking his hand, talking him up. So Jeff stayed in contact maybe with the right people in San Francisco. But my question is, is, is it possible? Usually post, is it post draft is when guys' contracts expire, right? No, that's scouts. The coaches expired in uh, January. Okay, so it's not possible. Whenever your whenever your season ends, he is under contract. Then it's not possible that his contract's up. I think it would be very abnormal if he was like contract was going to expire in the middle of March. Yeah, weird. I don't think it's that weird. If Kyle likes him, like he's worked with him. Like to me, it's not about like they don't want him or whatever. You don't think it's weird for the Jets to let their defensive coordinator just go to be the defensive coordinator of the Niners? Well, Well, like Saul, they're all friends. Yeah. Those guys are going to get fired, I would say. Like 80% chance. 
So it gives yourself a chance to go to a job that's open and sign a multi-year contract. I I, I, I know why he would like, want to do it. But I think just talk like these guys are all friends. Like this is a unique, this isn't like the Belichick relationship with his assistants. Like I, I do think the McVeigh, LaFleur, these guys' relationships with these guys, D'Amico is a very modern day. So I, again, it, it would be abnormal, but like abnormal shit happens in the NFL. Vic Fangio is like, fuck you, let me out. I Not in a million years, even if this isn't working out, are we just letting you out without, I know the Eagles want you. I know you want to go to Philly. I'm not expecting to get like a first round pick, but like, hey, Philly, give me a fifth round pick or something. I'm just going to rip up your contract and let you just go to Philly. Like that doesn't make any sense. But that's, listen, this is a pers- people business. Like ultimately maybe Roberts, like I'm going to put it on me, call plays. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, could be. I just think like Kyle knows this guy. It, this isn't an outsider like Wilk. So I, I I don't think him going after him, maybe he thinks Robert Sala owes him one. I don't know. I mean, remember he took LaFleur originally. <laughs> you owe me one. That'd be a good one. It, it's a weird connection with all this shit. I, I think it's very – a lot like college football, why does stuff happen? Because like Jimmy Sexton, Saban kind of control it all. So I, I think that's just kind of the way this is going with all this whole crew of guys. I, I, I My point is, I guess, it's just it's unique to the league, the way all these guys have operated, I would say. Uh, didn't Kyle block Mike LaFleur from going to work with uh, Matt Le- Yeah, he did. He blocked LaFleur from going to work with his brother. I would say Kyle's... Kyle is the one. Kyle feels like the most ruthless. LaFleur actually feels kind of ruthless, too. I would say Kyle and LaFleur are pretty ruthless. Where Saul and definitely D'Amico feels like the nicest. Like, yeah, you guys can take him. You've been good to me. <laughs> I don't need him. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing if you're Robert, if you think you're about to get fired, this is, I guess, if you think it's a done deal that you're going to get fired. Who cares? But you could also look at it like this year is all about survival. Like how do I survive this year? Maybe that means taking it over himself, but um, it'd be a weird time to just kind of let somebody go when it feels like maybe you need them. Now, maybe you just don't think you're going to stick around or is going to take that job. And I just think there would be more to the story. You know, they, uh, yeah, that's the reporting. It was, this isn't, Something would be fishy for sure. Yeah. I'm in agreement there. Yeah. But if I'm Jeff Ulbrich, like these, these coat, there's so much money in the line now. Like I want the fuck out of here again, if that's even the case, I mean, could, I don't know. I mean, do we think it's him for sure? No, I mean, I don't know. That was just Kawakami's guess. That was Kawakami's guess. He said, if I had to make a guess, that's where it came from this morning as Kawakami wrote. If I had to make a guess, I think, I think it'd be Jeff Ulbrich, but he said, I'm not reporting that. I'm just guessing. As somebody said to me this morning, John, in the chat, like, damn, we were just talking about Belichick the other day. (laughs) Yeah, that's sad. So, you know, things change. You shoot high. You shoot high. That's that's what could have been. (laughs) What could have been? Bill. What could have been? Bill doesn't want the smoke. You know, it turns out Bill just doesn't want to. Bill could have wanted. I I convinced myself that Bill winning a ring as a Niner DC would have added to his legendary status. 100% 100% would have. Yeah, would have. If Bill became an assistant coach and won another Super Bowl on any team, I don't give a fuck. 49ers, the Jags, you name. I mean, it would be, it'd easily be one of the biggest stories. And he would be the most, like on that media day where they all sit at podiums. I think he would have, he would, he'd have a bigger group than the coach. Don't you think? 
even if he was with Kyle, I think more people would be surrounded around him. Yeah, I think it'd be the biggest story in the NFL. Yeah, it would be. If the defense was like number one and he was the defensive coordinator, and especially if you put him on like the one of the the 49ers brand, you could argue they could rival like the Cowboys and topics if Belichick joined. Oh yeah, I mean they could. Yeah. They could be better top. I mean, they could be more more topics, right? Bill would do all you need is one Shanahan Bill blow up like week four. Yeah, they, they, they would be they'd be a pretty incredible content machine. I mean, they Bill already using are. a timeout without asking. They were an incredible content machine with Steve Wilkes, and the majority of NFL fans couldn't point Steve Wilkes out of a fucking lineup. Right. You had Belichick, I would say. The all-time villain kind of feels like Al Davis. I would put Belichick not far away as like one of the all-time sports villains and just guy that just creates people just talk shit about emotionally, like this guy's cheater. Like that, you can't pay for that element of it, which he brings to the table. Uh, of the era for sure, right? Al was a long Al was stopped being like a real villain a long time ago. He was I would say he was the modern day Al Davis. Yeah, I mean, I he probably without really thinking about it. I mean, does he go on the Mount Rushmore of just most significant kind of NFL? I don't. I won't say most significant figures, but like significant from the standpoint that he was great, and also you love to hate him, right? So, kind of that Al category. I mean, well, I'd say this: it, it, the one thing where Al transcended it, he was he was just more important than an owner because he ran the team. It was winning Super Bowls and was the guy picking the players. And had a battle with the team. Battled with the commissioner. With the league, yeah. Moved the team. I mean, is Bill more famous? Like, his owner's really famous, Robert Kraft. Bill's a way more significant figure than Robert Kraft, right? Well, I haven't finished watching the new uh, Apple Plus documentary, so we'll see. Maybe it's. Have you started? I did start it, yeah. Good. Solid episode one is just all about. Basically, how Drew Bledsoe almost died. Robert Kraft has a line. He's like, you know, first 9-11, and then our quarterback's laying there. Because, like, he got hurt in, like, you know, the second or the first game back post 9-11. Everyone's got the flags out and the whole thing. It's like, it probably was. I'm pretty sure it was the second game of the season, and that was probably week two. So it might have been the first game back of 9-11. First 9-11. First, we're dealing with 9-11, and then we see our quarterback. And he didn't mean it that way, but just, you know, it just sounded... And but I don't think Belichick ever liked Drew. I, I, my problem year, with that million. is I feel like I've seen too much of that story, that yeah. part. Like but it's not gonna, It's not a huge part of it. Ten years, hundred million dollars. That was his contract. Damn, a lot of coin back then. Yeah, I mean, you understand why he stayed loyal to the Patriots. You know, Drew over the years. I think they're still tight. Robert called him, said he's like a son. So. Uh, have you seen, I was just looking at the betting odds for Stefan Diggs. Like people think Stefan Diggs is going to be off the bills. That's what people think right now. And I was I just thinking where, where uh, Dallas, Dallas, Green Bay, New Orleans, one, two, three, Kansas city. I, I feel like Kansas city is going to do something significant this off season too. I can guarantee you one thing. Even if the bills hate the guy's guts, they're not trading him to the Kansas city chiefs. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. Like, just I, like the I, Niners just, wouldn't trade Ayuk to the Chiefs. Just like even if LeBron looked at Jeannie Buss and said, I'm fucking out after this year, 
under my dead body am I trading you to the Warriors? We didn't. My my fucking father didn't spend fifty years building this brand to have you to the only team that has a shot of like diminishing our star. Fucking get out of here. So it's like some of these trades, like there are just certain things that are off the table, right? Just think about some of the trades that have happened recently of like Jalen Ramsey went to the Jags and the Jags originally trade, or excuse me, to the uh, Dolphins and the Jags traded him to the Rams. The, the, the Chiefs traded him to the Dolphins, who while they did kind of play twice this year and in the playoffs, I don't think Andy Reid has spent one second thinking about the Miami Dolphins over the last 10 years. The, the, the Packers traded Devontae Adams to the Raiders. The Raiders traded Mac to the Bears. The Niners to the Colts. It's it's pretty consistent. You kind of trade a high-level star, especially a star, to a rando. Like, you don't. McCaffrey to the do. Niners? Not yeah, a threat a to example. the Panthers. No, neither team thinks about the other. Now, and, and in fairness, like, yeah, the only team's even interested in McCaffrey. Somewhat unique, right? They, they well, were out of the conference, right? Out of the like conference, to, sure. yeah. Uh, every time the Packers need to trade a quarterback, they send him to the Jets. Yeah, like out would they the have in a million years have traded Aaron Rodgers to an NFC team? No, we all. I mean, the, the, the Niners were not right. The Niners no, were like no non, chance, non-starter. Um, yeah. some of these contracts, though, I don't think people realize like. By the time you get to your third or fourth year, that's when the bills do on all the cash you've given guys. It's why, like, ultimately extending Brandon Ayuk would be way less on your salary cap than his fifth year option this year, right? Like, if they gave him a four year, $100 million deal, his first year of his contract, and they'd add some like random years after, would be way less than the 13, four, whatever the number is on the books this year. They get that number to like two or three. Remember they signed, what's his name last year? Hargrave four years, 80 million, 20 a year. And his first year was nothing. That, that's the, that's what is, but then by the time you get to year three or four, it gets complicated in terms of like dead cap because you've pushed it all back or especially, you know, the, the money that you actually owe him on your books because you pay it up front, but you pay it, in terms of the salary cap on the back end. So a lot of these guys, it's why like Debo Samuel's not even an option to be traded. Like they cannot, tra- it makes no financial sense. Or even George, like they've, I saw Lombardi kind of breaking down. Like he, they've already got a substantial amount of the money in their contract with the signing bonus and just over the first couple years of their, their contract. But it starts really hitting the books over the next couple of years. It's why ideally you need, when you pay, Whoever, Trent Williams, you feel pretty good. Like, we're getting fucking, we're never even thinking about trading him, cutting him, or whatever, as long as he's healthy. Fred Warner, same thing. These other guys, like, they're not going to get traded, but I do think it's fair. Like, if money didn't impact you, like, would you trade George Kittle? Would you trade Debo Samuel? And the answer is, fuck yeah, you're having conversations about it, but you can't have conversations when it messes with your books. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) again, I'm not saying you do it, but like, you, you would never have a conversation with anyone about like Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, or Trent Williams. Like you're not even having those conversations, but you would have like, yeah, Regardless we're not talking about funds. Yeah. We'll talk about clay, right? We'll talk about other guys. Yeah, exactly. Funds not having an impact, but they, they just dramatically impact the NFL. 
dramatically. Well, th- this is the year, to your point, just Stefan Diggs cap number the first two years of his deal, 11 and 14. This year, it's going to go to 28, 2024, right? It goes up by 60%. He goes from 6% of the cap to 11% of the cap. And this uh, is the thing, like, obviously you wouldn't get a first round pick for him at the time, but you're not trading Brandon Ayuk for a second round pick. But put yourself in the shoes of anyone else why it makes any sense to trade a first-round pick when there are a ton of wide receivers in this draft that after, like, pick 15, like, look at Brandon Ayuk's salary the first three or four years at pick 27. It's a little more if it's pick 18 or 22, but it still ain't that. And you and I, before we hopped on, said, like, would the Ravens or would the Vikings, who have Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers, trade their – if you had to factor in – Ayuk's future contract that's coming, 60, 70 guaranteed, 22, 25 a year for the contract those guys are on, being the picks in the early 20s. And the answer is no fucking way because the the, the ability like to have that cheap contract for the next three years. Ayuk has been one of the better values in the league the last couple of years. Now it's where it gets complicated. Yeah, even if you're getting 80% of the player, you're paying way less than 80% of the contract, right? It's why I was Ayuk texting made, Ayuk's cap number was $4 million last year. At 1,500 yards? So, like, you get, oh, well, I get 80% of Ayuk for $4 million instead of $24 million? You were texting with? Well, uh, let me see what, like, Jordan Addison. Because I, I just threw his name out because I'm not counting the, the Charger guy who probably sucks. Do you know what Jordan Addison's stats were last year? Tell me. I mean, 100 and no, uh, 84 catches, 70, 9, 11, 10 touchdowns. Okay. If I get 10 touchdowns from a dude pick 22, 23, 24, that alone, regardless of if that number had been 70, 60, or 80, 10 fucking touchdowns. Cap number two and a half million. Zay Flowers. He was 77, 858, and five. Addison was actually statistically better. Five more touchdowns. Like, that's a pretty big swing. Now, the Ravens didn't need as many touchdowns because they had the best defense. But this is because the whole argument is like, well, trade him and then find Kevin Coleman. Why wouldn't the other team just fucking do that? Uh, Zay Flowers, two and a half last year, three. It's five and a half, four. Nine and a half, four and a half, 15, 15 million for four years for Zay Flowers. I think the one argument is in order to get a first round pick for Brandon Ayuk, you need a team in a unique situation. So that's why I think the Jets are like, are they, is there, is somebody going to step in and try and go all in? Would they offer the 10th pick, which on the draft value charts, an overpay, right? A, a big overpay. The 10th pick for Brandon Would they Ayuk? offer the 10th pick to avoid, you know, just to get somebody else in there with Garrett Wilson to avoid having the Aaron Rodgers thing blow up on them? Like, that's what you need. You need somebody in a desperate spot to do something desperate. Because you're not going to trade him for 23, I don't think. If and you got traded for pick 10, that's the craziest trade in the history of the league, I think. Yeah, the Niners would say yes in half a second. Tyreek Hill didn't get traded for that much. Neither did Devontae Adams. So, because ten is worth more than a one, ten is worth more than you know, pick twenty-five and a third, right? 
Yeah, it's well, ten's worth more than pick twenty five and pick thirty three and a third. It's is that being conversated about? Like they would the Jets are interested or would trade pick? No, 10? no, no. I, I'm just talking about you would need a desperate team in order to do that deal. Like, why would you trade your fifteenth pick? Or you know, the pro. I think it just illustrates that he is more valuable to the 49ers than he's valuable to a team that would trade for him. Just like the Niners wouldn't want to trade him and draft a receiver at 23 to replace him. I mean, in an ideal world, you could get 80% of the production, you would do it, but you don't know you're getting 80% of the production. And a team sitting at 23 would just draft that guy instead of trading for Brandon Ayuk. Get on the Prize Picks app, just like me, and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Football season's over. But hoop season is getting hot, tournament season, or the fight for playoff home court. There's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, Not feeling great about Shohei less than 38 and a half right now, but... I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's Download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said, they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. And I sent him the lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the performance package 5.0 Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The Lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time. To top it off, the performance package throws in two free gifts Boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code HAM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping. Manscaped.com, code HAM. When things get hairy, make sure to call on Manscaped in clutch time. Butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night I was thinking about ordering out, and then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden it was homemade taco night. With Butcherbox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always, and you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff, curated. Right now, go to butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. Plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Tacovas, oh yeah. I was just looking at some pictures of a concert Luke Bryan, my wife and I went to a I don't know, 10 years ago, she had some old cowboy boots on. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I said, you, you need some new boots because we're going to see Luke Combs. 
So she went to tecovas.com and they're just perfect. She loves them. You can do the same. You go to tecovas.com. These boots are Austin designed, Texas tested, handmade down in the boot capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. If you've ever wondered, can I pull off cowboy boots? Then you should pull on a pair of Tecovas and you'll see they'll become your new favorite footwear. Cowboys knew what they were doing when they invented Western wear. And it's all kinds of Western staples. Trucker jackets, the perfect jeans to go with your boots, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. If you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality, most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Can I tell you about my friends? Very, very good friends. And mainly because I've been using this app for a long time. Game time. They are the best ticket app I've ever used. You shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. You want to go to a concert? You want to go watch Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond make a little playoff run? Well, that's where you use Game Time. You just download the app on your smartphone, and you can search any event. Concerts, comedy shows, games, pro and college. Search by price point or search by where you want to sit at the venue. It gives you sightline on the app. And uh, it's really easy. Buying tickets in seconds with like two taps. I cannot recommend it enough. And here's what we're doing for you. When you use the promo code HAM, H-A-M, you save $20 off at checkout. That's promo code HAM at checkout and save $20 to any event. Download the GameTime app now. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It's where I'd also push back, though, on that assertion. And I'm pro, like, my first reaction, pick 10, I'd drive him to the airport. But, like, pick in the 20s, just keep because there's no guarantee. I, I've seen you make a huge trade. You took Javon Kinlaw. So there's no guarantee that you're picking Zay Flowers. But, like, what is – he is valuable to the Niners. At what number, though? Like, I have no problem with players getting paid. Like, this isn't some anti-player getting paid rant. But when I pay a premium – I better get fucking Trent Bosa or Trent Bosa, Fred, like the best player at my position. Never even think about their contract. Like for the first time, sometimes you watch, you're like, is Kittle worth this much money? Like the 49ers have those conversations. Everyone doesn't mean they don't like them. Doesn't mean they don't want them. But like you get put in conversations in the front office that way. Like Debo, 
you better bet your ass. He's fucking great. He's one of the great. He said some of the biggest games in Kyle Shanahan's career. They have conversations like, God, we need to get more out of him. God, he just got to get open more on this stuff. I can't have conversations of like, if I pay him more than Debo Samuel, which would mean he's one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league. Is he like, he can't be the 12th best player in the league. Is he, is he the fourth best wide receiver in the league? And again, I love Brandon Ayuk who doesn't, but like, it's a pretty risky proposition if you have to pay what he's surely asking for, which is a ton of money. Yeah, well, he's not Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, right? He's not those true, pure number one receivers. We agree on he's that. Not, he's, I would say he's not, you know, Devontae's better player. Is he ever going to be as good as Devontae was? Was Devontae a true premier number one receiver? Or is he like a 1A? I think he's, a, you know, he has been a true number one yeah, receiver. Yeah, I agree. So I, I think Ayuk is below that line, but also like... Better than a number two. But is he better than A.J. Brown, like when A.J. Brown's rolling? Well, this is what A.J. Brown got paid. I think A.J. Brown, is when he's rolling, is a number one receiver. Yes. Yeah. So Ayuk is not a true number one, but he's also better than a number two. So he's a, he's in a weird little spot there. I think one of the problems for the Niners is the way that they play offense. Are they ever going to... I'd argue, though, you could be a really, really highly paid number two, Right. Uh, yeah, you could, I mean, that's what we're talking. That's what, that's what he will be. He might be your best receiver. He, he is their best peer receiver. Yes. Don't disagree and there. He would be the best receiver on a lot of teams. The problem for the Niners is that your best receiver is never going to catch 95 balls. Not the way this offense gets run, right? Like if Not you the took, players they have right now, if you put Jamar chase on this team, does he catch 110 balls? How many balls did he catch last year? Uh, well, they, I mean, they had so many quarterback issues. So, I mean, he's that's probably a bad example. He caught, he caught 100 balls last year. Okay. So, I would say no. Now, they, they were losing in some games. You know, it's probably a little. But he's a hunter-catch guy every year. Right now, he's kind of proven that, it feels like. Well, yeah, he went 81, 87, 100. It's crazy, John. He had 100 catches on 145 targets last year. The year before, he had 87 catches on 134 targets. How many touchdowns do you have? They throw in the rock. Uh, he had seven last year. How many did he have in his career? 29. So bait average is 10 a year, but he had 13 as a rookie. Then he had nine. Then he had seven. So his catches have gone up. His yards have gone. His uh, touchdowns have gone down. His yard per catch average has settled at 12. I, th- I think last year, or I guess it was two years ago now, when DK was going into – you know, all those guys wanted to get paid, all the second rounders after their third year. <laughs> if memory serves me correct, I think DK had 28 or 29 touchdowns. Like, that's a that's a high number. To me, though, like you said, it's it's in context. I saw Sauce Gardner. No one argues that he gets open and he's not a really good player. I, I just think it's just about if I pay premium, he's got to be a premium, like the best. And I, I think you would have that argument. And you could argue both sides, maybe – he keeps getting better, and one day he is like a better version of what Amari has been. And, and f- in fairness to Amari, got a five-year, $100 million deal, and he's every team that's had him, while he kind of drives him nuts in a weird way, Amari does produce, right? He just – every single year, he's good for 70 to 80 for eight or nine touchdowns. He makes you wonder if he wants to be there, but he does produce, right, in a weird way. It's because he has – to me, he has NBA body language that is just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just – uh I wasn't going to try in the all-star game or I'm Anthony Rendon. Like, yeah, this is my number one priority, but then he catches you 75 and six touchdowns. Yeah. It has like a couple historic days throughout the season. Like, do you see a Mark Cooper just had fucking 12, uh, 12 catches for 300 yards? (laughs) 
three to four touchdowns. Um, well, I think the thing with Ayuk is because of his age, you are you are unlike baseball where players get paid for what they've already done. You are paying for his premier years coming up, right? You're not paying him for what he's done. You are you. That's the good thing about Ayuk. If you pay him, whatever you pay him, you are paying for his prime in theory. But <clears throat> I think he think the pro, I think one of the disconnects is he thinks put me on another team and I'll catch 95 balls. But I'm just never going to catch 95 balls on this team. But the balls he does catch are usually pretty critical. Well, Amari Cooper has been a one now for, I would say, since he came into the league, right? He was the one for the Raiders. He definitely was the one for the Cowboys. And then he transitioned to the one for the Browns. And he's made a lot of money. And listen, I think he's, because he's not in that top tier, but he's still a very, very productive player. And I wonder if, you know, you could easily justify, well, yeah, maybe he'll never be the third best wide receiver. But what if he's the ninth? And that's just kind of the going. It's like, yeah, Kirk Cousins isn't fucking Patrick Mahomes. But when Kirk Cousins or Jared Goff or those guys are fucking healthy and our team is good, we're good. So, like, yeah, Ayuk, if I trade for him or if I sign him long term to a huge deal, yeah, he's never going to be Jamar Chase or fucking Tyreek Hill. But like for a couple years, we're gonna feel we feel very good about having this productive player. And yeah, do we do we pay 110 cents on the dollar for what he probably truly is? But like, yeah, the character stuff, all that's what we really value. His leadership, how you know, he, I think he's a, fair to say he leads more by example and his toughness element. Like there's stuff that we're paying a little extra for. He's never gonna be a back to back seasons of 95 catches. And this team might peak at 80 catches but can get open on anybody. And that's a value because we don't have that. Debo can't run routes and he's a fucking $60 million receiver that no one It's like, yeah, he's pretty fucking good. It's, it shows you how special his attributes are, but he can't get, he, he could not get open against the chiefs. Guess who was getting open 11, right? Countless times got, got open. Debo could not, could not get open. And the chiefs knew it coming into the game. Well, John, now you could also say, Ambry Ambry Thomas would have told you that John, but you could also say, like, that is somewhat of an outlier game. Like, how often do you see a team with that good of DBs? There's two right. of them last year, right? Right. Ravens, Chiefs. For the most part, Debo's kicking ass and taking names. Like, Debo playing the fucking Lions or the Eagles or the Cowboys is fine. And that is the majority of your games. So it's not like just because he wasn't good enough to beat the Chiefs doesn't decrease his value. Like, ultimately, you're, you're really paying, as Richard Sherman would tell you, for the regular season, right? The playoffs are kind of separate. Like you, you are paying me like in baseball for to get there. Oh. Obviously, if I'm good enough during the season, like I can then make plays in the playoffs as well. But like you're paying these guys to be really productive. Like th- there's a lot of variables that go on to making the playoffs and winning playoff games. If, if you're giving me 80, 90 and dominating like Debo does a lot throughout the season, because I, if I was Debo's agent against Iuke's agent on the other, like we could we could argue this till we're blue in the face. I would just say. Historically, what translates longer term is just route running. Yeah, and Brandon's been a healthier player. Well, because he doesn't run guys over. Yeah, partly because of the way Debo plays. Um, I think the question is, if he's your number one receiver, like the 49ers, let's deal in reality, right, instead of hypotheticals. You're the Niners. He's your number one receiver. Can your offense be good enough to win a championship if he's your number one receiver? With this quarterback, with this coach, with these guys around him, I think the answer is yes. Yeah. 
And then you have to factor in it does change the money changes stuff, right? And what what do you mean? Well, part of it is like they're competing with his limited amount of catches because their team is deeper because of more money going around. The moment you start paying him, I would imagine if they pay him what he, I'm sure, give or take what the going rate's going to be for a guy like him, to with Debo, they would have the highest combo paid wide receivers in the league. Now, maybe Philly also extends Devontae Smith this offseason. I'm pretty sure just finished his third year, so I think he's extension eligible. As Houston's running around with Nico Collins and Tank Dell making like $5 million combined. Yeah. Right. But eventually, like, if a guy's a good player, you have to pay. Like, if Nico Collins or Tank Dell's a better example. Like, if he has three, two more years of that, like, he's going to get a lot of money. You know, the, right. I mean, the other thing is, like, Ayuk had 75 catches this year, 78 last year. So I think we've established kind of his new floor in this role in years three and four, or at least his new average. If you told me, like, we're going to pay him more money, Greg Papa's famous thing that you and I have talked about a lot over the years is like, just because you pay money to a player doesn't mean he changes. But in the case of Ayuk, if you pay him the kind of money that means there are less weapons around him in three years, he might then become a 90-catch guy if you have to throw the ball to him more, right? He had 75 catches. He had 105 targets. So he's not getting the 145, 138 targets that Jamar Chase is getting to get his 100 and 100. You know, Jamar Chase had 130 plus targets for 100 catches. This guy had 105 targets for 75 catches. So that's one thing you'd say with him is like, if you pay him a premium as he enters his prime and next year, let's say post June one, whatever you trade Debo, because it's just too expensive. And you go, all right, Brandon, we need you to go from 75 to 90. Brandon be like, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do here, right? I don't. It honestly, I mean, you, you couldn't take Debo and be like, "All right, we're going to add 20 catches a year." Well, to me, think. to me, it's one of the two. It, <clears> it's <throat> if you keep Ayuk after 2024 season in 2025, given the numbers in which they make, either Debo or Kittle is not on the team, and even George, right? Maybe both. For a lot of catches. Maybe, Maybe both. both. You said 2025 or 2026. I, I'm saying, yeah, this season, everyone's together. Yeah. In 25, then you have some difficult, then there's still a lot of moving parts. Right. Which I, I everyone I ever talk to about this, whenever I'm playing golf with Niner fans or just, you know, people that I don't know that well, we just get into, obviously Brock comes up. I feel pretty good about this. He's playing out his next two years. It, it just is. Like he's playing out his next two years. On You're saying they're not extending him next year. I'm saying that's, I'm not saying they're doing that. I, I Kyle would fucking pay him, but like, what's the rush to pay anybody? Cause I, I think for the most part, unless it's Patrick Mahomes, who was pretty freaking clear after three years, you'd want a Super Bowl, you'd want an MVP. He was just a rocket ship. A lot of times, like, you know, this is, we got to do it to get a deal. And then a year later, it's like, hey, kind of a down year. It's just, can people just let things play out in no other, you know, I, I would say in most industries, even that are being highly paid, the, the aggressive nature to always pay it early. I, I don't know. I just, cause that, that's the, that's the elephant in the room of a number that, you know, if he just has another successful 30 plus touchdowns and they go back to the playoffs, like that number is just high. The, the, the floor on that number is really high. What's the floor? I mean, $40 million a year. Yeah. So this morning, 
uh, but, Lewis, but, 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 but it's less about like that. To me, it's more about like, I mean, you're talking way more guaranteed than Bosa got and Bosa got a historic amount of guaranteed money. Yeah. I mean, 175 guaranteed. Well, to me, the way that they do a deal with him after next year is he was better than he was this year and he takes a significant discount to do a deal. That would be the world. If he's done it back to back years, then you feel a little better. Like, okay, he might, this just might be who he is, but he would not be getting $50 million to do a deal a year early because the, the quarterback tag right now is 36 million. So what's it going to be after the next two years, 42 million. So they'll always be able to hold that over his head. And he doesn't have a fifth year option. He doesn't have a fifth year option. So like to me, the world in which they do a deal is, and think about the last two quarterback contracts they've done. They've done quarterback contracts that afterwards you're like, Oh, okay. And, and because of the way that he broke in, like you can't just hold that, like not show up. Like you've been, you've Wally Pitt people before. I, I, listen, I, I'm pro. I, I'm not. Your most people in the media are just so pro the player at all. The one thing the NFL has that benefits the fans and why the league is crushing. It's a management league. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean players can't get leverage. We've seen it with Bosa and guys. Like guys do the, the elite of the elite always have it, and they do it in any industry. Like I, I'm sorry. Like one reason the NBA is kind of falling apart is like every player gets enormous amounts of money. It's like the fucking thing's broken. In football, there's still some checks and balances. And the Niners, I mean, unless the guy throws 75 touchdowns this upcoming fall, like if it just looks very similar, which is very good, like I'm just I'm just not a huge in a rush always to pay guys. Like Debo like had, had you by the ball. He's like, I fucking just carried you to the championship game. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I haven't said this yet, but I, I do think there's a realistic world in which he takes less than people, you know, that people want you to believe he's worth to extend the contract with the Niners. Put yourself in his shoes for a second. They give you a contract that is very team-friendly, and it increases your salary by 25 to 30 times immediately, right? I, I think, think he'd I have think, to consider that. I, I think the NFLPA and people, it, it, assuming he has another 30-plus touchdown year and he's one of the pro bowlers for the NFC, would throw and it, it would be a big deal with the They'd what? <laughs> Throw a hizzy. Throw, throw, I like throw, throw a hizzy fit. Thrucking. I, I, I think, listen, it's easy to say, and I've even had yeah, people text me like, he's the type guy. You're going to play for $25 million when randos are getting fucking 40, and you've just been back-to-back pro bowlers. You've been, everyone's like, this is the best quarterback they've had since Steve Young. Well, he might Jeff say Garcia. no and play out the year, but. He I, say I, no. I, I think the, I, there, there are pressures that be, it's one thing to take a little haircut, but that would be. I'm just Again, saying like they're, I, they're I, not the to me, they, pull it off. It'd be a heist, but like, how does that work? I'm just saying, I don't think they're offering the 45 million a year with a year to go on the deal. I agree. I, I think it would be very controversial in terms of the players union stuff. If he just signed a contract for like 22 million, I mean, the Niners would sign that yesterday, but I, I, I think that's it's one of those things. It's already being talked about. Like, yeah. Where he's making twenty five million dollars well, less than people that are just signing new contracts, like Jared, because Jared Goff's going to get a contract, right? Like John Tua is going to get a contract. Jared Tua nope. is going to get a contract. Tua, Dak, Tua is going to get forty three million dollars. You think? I mean, I, if I was them, we're playing out another year. I, I agree with you. That's why I was shocked today because Lewis Riddick was like, "I think Tua's good. I would do a deal with Tua, and I'd start at forty million. And Bart Scott was like, so you think he's better than Dak? And uh, 
Then Lewis is like, ah, oh, just the floor is 40. Just the floor is 40. I'm going to be like, I would, would he, how much money would Tua get on the open market? Would he get $45 million a year on the open market? I think a team would try to do something short. I, I, I do think, not like, if think you're a, he'd get that big contract. You don't think Atlanta'd give him like two years, $80 million? Oh, home? sure. A fake ass. Yeah, whatever. But like, he's not getting one of these big ass quarterback contracts. I think it'd be insane. And I think no one wants to talk about this, John. But after 2024 and 2025, it's so hard to say right now. But what, you know, part of this is like, what does the league think of Brock Purdy? Like, what do they really think when it comes down to, are we going to pay him $55 million a year? Because in two years, $45 million is like borderline top 10 money. But this is how you build your team. You're constantly thinking about big picture. But again, even if it's top 10 money, it's still a, even if the salary cap goes up to 300 million, 40 plus million dollars until that number is 800 million is an enormous amount impacting your cap and signing bonuses. It's just, it's the biggest contract you're going to have by, I don't know, 40%. I mean, it's a big deal no matter what, even relatively. Like, if if the Lions are a good example, let's say they extended Jared Goff this offseason. Three years, $100 million. Yeah. So it's like 33 a year. but And they guaranteed him like $80 million. You'd be like, God, it's a pretty relative to other court. It's still a lot of money for the way you're building your team. So he's a, he's just got to maintain that level of play. Obviously, once you get to the 45-50, like if you're – again, I don't even care if it gets to $300 million. If your salary cap hit ever get – Deshaun Watson, this year his salary cap hit on the books. Like not dead money, not actual money. I'm saying in the cap that's $250 million, his hit – is $62 million. I don't have a calculator here. That's a large percentage of the fucking deal, right? If five, if $50 million is 20%, it's more than 20% of the salary cap to build your team. Which, if it's Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, ideally you'd like to finagle the money. You would probably restructure. But like you could live with it. You cannot live with the way he's looked. And this is where these conversations, like we enter... The little kid table is like, why? This is Twitter, the occasional player. Like, we need to stop worrying about everyone deserves their money. Yet we get all that. There's also This is also a business with legitimate rules and restrictions of building a team. So, like, it's, it's the number one conversation everyone has. It's why, honestly, like, McGlinchey, like, you're going to give him $55 million, Sean? He by the middle of week four, you're like, God, is this guy good enough? Like, that's a problem. It's why Hargrave at times, like, I know he's good, but he's kind of like a role player, kind of overspent on him. Again, good player, I want him on my team. I think we'd look at him a lot differently if he was three years, $38 million, and they guaranteed 20 instead of right. 20 a year, 40 guaranteed. Because again, like, I don't actually care how much money guaranteed to fucking anybody in life beside you, me, whoever I'm in business with, but that guaranteed money really impacts salary cap stuff. And that's how you build the team. Like, w- let's use that as an example. Would they like that one back? Or are they cool? Hargrave? Yeah. Well, I think the problem with taking it back is you go, okay, so how do we plug our defense, right? What do we replace them with? Was this in this particular offseason? this was the cost of getting a, Defensive tackle that we think is an NFL, like a legit NFL starter. And he is. I think the problem is for him to be good. And you look back mm. at Philly, and this is what I think the Niners banked on. Oh, Drake Jackson, second year, he'll take a step. 
We'll add some other defensive ends. He gets to play with Armstead. Then Armstead, seven different random injuries that no one knows about till the end of the season. Gambling, NFL purposes, kind of weird. But uh, Hargrave's also injured, never comes up. He just, again, as someone that gambles on the Niners, would have been nice to know that some of these guys are dealing with fucking major injuries. This isn't the PGA Tour where it's like, hey, you had a broken wrist. You tried to play through it. It's like, fucking hey, guys. Influenza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, is that the how we can talk about COVID now? Or what does that even mean? What is influenza? It it's yeah. the flu, but like from 1918. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> I think. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> All I know is that for him to be good, as he was with the Eagles, they had weaponry coming off the ends. They had Bosa and another guy, right? So when you just have Bosa, it's like, where's everybody else? Well, they hate Drake Jackson. Uh, we had a trade for Randy Gregory, who's driven everyone nuts for a while. Uh, Cleveland Farrell is just a run stuffer. It, it doesn't quite work the same. And this yeah. is where building the team, like, the equivalent of Hargrave in baseball can't miss. He's going to play second base or whatever, be solid. Even in basketball, if like that's what he is, even if he's a little older, going to be solid. In football, he's pretty dependent on his friends, I think. Right? I mean, he cannot, he is not worth $20 million if Armstead's in the training room, which I hate to say it. I mean, I he's obviously everyone roots for the guy. He's trending the wrong now. way. Yep. Yeah. And it's just like, I got Nick Bosa and then a bunch of other guys that most Niner fans couldn't point out of a lineup. Chase Young, who might have helped get fucking Steve Wilkes fired. Could point him could could point him out of the lineup, but could. Uh so that, that's where I think all this stuff gets very complicated. Everyone's very that I guess is a long-winded way of saying you could argue that Ayuk is one of the rare, like Hargrave is dependent on other people. Obviously as a receiver, you're always dependent on your quarterback, but like isn't dependent. He's getting open in any offense. You tell him to run the 15 yard comeback, like that wide receiver or that corner, unless it's Deion Sanders, there's going to be separation there. His shit translates. Yeah. Your $2 million quarterback, trust him. And I think route running is two. Important. The extra million. <laughs> Sorry. Total two years combined. He's made two. He's, when you Google his net worth, it's just $2 million. Um, Every quarterback cares about route running, John, but quarterbacks that throw with as much anticipation as Brock does really care about the guy being exactly where he's supposed to be and when he's supposed to be there, right? You could argue it'd be malpractice if this is Brock's favorite guy to throw the ball to to take this guy away from Brock right now at such a critical time in his career. What do you think Purdy did with his $77,000 signing bonus? Uh, Well... It went to some rent. Uh, I think Toyota gave him a pickup so he didn't have to buy a car. Two years uh, later. Two years later, that's true. So maybe he bought a car. I bet he just kept his car, whatever he was driving in college. Yeah. Be my guess that he did not buy a new car. Probably not. Gave some money to his parents. Fund the business a little bit, maybe. <clears throat> I mean, 77, it's not like a 1099, so you're getting a W-2 style. What are you seeing in the account? 40? Yeah. After agent fees and everything, what's he really taking home? 32? <laughs> How's he eat? <laughs> Team facility, man. Free meals. As you Honestly, know. I, I bet he's eating a lot of meals there. Like, at, even like, overkill. Like, the I bet plate, the occasional the plate player. Upside down plate on top of a plate uh, with like another plate and another upside down plate on top of that plate. And you're walking out with the double plates. His, his 
apartment with a couple <laughs> other practice squad guys have taken advantage of that cafeteria as much as Kyle or a coach, right? Just because those are such a grinder. Ah, coach, he's, yeah, just I just love watching the film here. I'm just here all the time. See like Debo is a good example of someone that like I bet half his dinners are DoorDashed, right? Or cooked for him. When or cooked for him, yeah. I mean, two years ago, maybe DoorDash. Now, maybe Private Chef. True. Be interesting, John. Ayuk holding out, kind of Debo. Like it's, you know, Debo's not really been the like their day one tearing up practice early in the offseason guy. That's IU. That's what Ayuk has done, right? So if Ayuk's not showing <laughs> that'd be, up. That'd be bad for Debo. Like you're saying, Debo's got to show up in OTAs by himself if Brandon's not there. <laughs> I'm saying there might be a little more like just responsibility on Debo this offseason if Ayuk's not around until he gets a contract done. Well, or imagine they th- trade him and they draft some guy. It's like Keon Coleman. Like, welcome to camp. Here's Debo. He's going to show you around. Like, well, tomorrow. Actually, a beer tomorrow. That'd be, an, that'd be an astronomical amount of pressure on that guy. Where Kyle's hard on receivers. Yeah, it's, it's two years before Kyle lets you be a receiver. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty risky. But I, I think he would hold out for sure, right? I mean, Debo 100% did, he's did. holding out. Yeah, hold out coming. Absolutely. Which I think they wouldn't give a shit about. Uh, to me, maybe the only way you trade him... I don't think you do. The Buckner deal was so good. It didn't, the date didn't matter, <laughs> right? You, you would have taken 13th on February 21st. You would have taken 13th the day of the draft. Like that's just a number that would you say basically every GM, once you're like, Hey, we have some options here. Like we're not, this guy's not our Aaron Donald would have made that deal. 32 out of 32 GMs. If, if they were open to trading a player and they got that value for him, especially trade. when, especially once you get all the information, like, Oh, they liked Kinlaw. They felt like they could just replace him with that same pick. They still had another first round pick. They were going to use on a receiver. It made a lot of sense. Didn't work. They added, but, well, I guess you could argue if they went and, and it gave them ammo, they traded Ayuk. back. Remember and add, but they added some picks that they used to trade yeah. up to get Ayuk. Right. I, I do think that with Ayuk, if we just assume, which I think is fair that they're not going to get a, a super, super high pick. <laughs> like the top 10 to 15 ranges out of mm-hmm. it's more likely probably late teens, early twenties. I don't think you would make that deal. The only time you would entertain making that deal would be draft day. So, you know, you got the player when you're on the, like the player has on fallen the clock. to you. Yeah. AJ Brown deal. The problem yeah. is they took the dude from Arkansas and it hasn't worked. That, that's the other problem with me. He had asthma John in the first camp. Would the Niners trade Traylon him right Burks. now? If, if they knew that they would get, like when the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill, they got in that that first round with the two picks. I think they maneuvered a little bit, but it was McDuffie and Karlovskis. They're starting defensive end and they're starting all pro corner slash fucking hybrid nickel, whatever, dominant DB. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. You, I mean, they just, would trade Brandon right now for McDuffie and Karloftis, and the Chiefs wouldn't do that deal. Well, exactly. So that's my point of like, you then have to draft the two right players. The pressure on those picks would be just fucking huge. And even McDuffie last year was he had been, he had battled some injuries, and luckily they had Watson. Some other guys kind of came through. And then this year it's like, oh, glad we got McDuffie. This guy's gonna be our team for like a decade. That's what they're all saying, rightfully so. Words like the Niners high picks lately. Yeah, Ty Davis Price on the Eagles. You got. If you tell me Drake Jackson never even shows up again for the 49ers, I believe you. Danny Gray, I don't even know. Is he still on the team? Yes. You know, Kinlaw is not going to be on the team anymore. They just, a lot of their major work has even Cameron Latu, a third round, but before he got hurt, like he was not trending in the right direction in camp. 
the think tight about end. The three best players on the team. They've not been able to, re- to to get the next Kittle in line. Their three best players on the team. Nick Bosa was the second pick overall, who was clearly non-quarterback. I I would say ninety-eight percent universally the number one pick on everyone's draft board. If it, you know non-quarterback, easy one. Trent Williams declined going other place, forced himself to the 49ers. That's how they acquired him. And Christian McCaffrey, they acquired by trade. And then most of their other sweet players, like they got Debo in the second round because they coached him at the senior bowl. They got Fred in the third. A lot of people thought he was undersized or whatever. They got Kittle in the fucking fifth. Hufunga was in like the sixth. No one thought he had a position. I mean, Charvarius, they got to bid way less than the other corner on the market that I think if, if looking back, how many teams, clearly the Niners valued him more, and they get credit for this, but if you would have known Charveris just being a legit high-end corner, I think that's numbers a lot higher than what they got him for, which is, again, yeah, they or, get credit Or for if it. he just happens to be the number one, like that class, remember, had a couple other guys in it, that free agent cornerback class, J.C. Yeah. Jackson. and who got, But he got dramatically more money than him, remember, right. like an extra 15 guaranteed. So I guess my point is Hold a lot on. of their players aren't. Wait, you can't finish this point. Who who am I missing? The quarterback. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, there's quarterbacks, last pick in the draft. <laughs> Even a lot of their good players, you know, use check, free agent, because of his position, doesn't make that much money relative to the rest of the league. Greenlaw, mid-round pick, doesn't make that much money. They don't have a lot of like, yeah, I mean, some of their first end rounders. The, they don't have a lot of end of the first round guys other than Ayuk. Like the guys where they draft is not where they make their money. No. It's crazy. And the one time they had a chance to really like kind of separate, they took Kinlaw over Worf, which you could say it could happen to anybody, and it's true. But they uh, have we haven't seen them draft high for a while. So like have they, yeah. you know, it's like, do you have your fastball down? Like McVeigh and the Niners, like, are you guys used to being in the first round? Do you guys know what to do? A lot of pressure because that pressure That's on why the that Seahawks guy, are like, fuck this. We'll just draft in the second round. The pressure on that guy when you're good is fucking enormous. Because it's like one of the only things you talk about. Yeah, I mean, Jair Brown is the guy that's suddenly going to have a good amount of pressure on him, right? Drake Jackson had pressure on him and so far has not lived up. Hufunga was a fifth rounder, by the way. Fifth rounder, okay. It was a good good rant. I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, Yeah, it's it's a weird Overall, they, they, they do a lot. It feels like... And again, I mean, I, there's other teams, I'm sure. If the Ravens are a, a team that's in this. I th- say the Chiefs and Andy Reid historically, they they do a lot of good work on the third day. When yeah. you and me and everyone else is fucking taking a nap and Mayock's getting pissed that they're talking about zoo animals and everyone's bored out of their mind. Coaches are doing interviews with like people walking behind them with sushi plates. It's just screw around time. The Niners have done a lot of good work. Honestly, their best work. I mean, their best players are guys that, I mean, if you read, I mean, getting George Kittle in the fifth round, getting Brock Purdy in the seventh round, Hufunga in the fifth, like this is just... Juan Jennings in the seventh? Yeah, I mean, I I just don't have that much faith. In, in fairness, because it is just very, very difficult when you make that move, it just gets, becomes very complicated. And I've always defended Balky this way too. For a couple of years, like with Harbaugh, they were just good. So your pick was at the end of the round. Like, in fairness, their first round pick this year, like that's a difficult pick. Because there's pressure on it because he's a quote-unquote first-rounder. But you're getting, at best, the top, maybe the 24th player on your board or something, you know? Yeah. At best. The the best guy might be like, oh, I don't need a quarterback. <laughs> or I don't need a safety. I'm not taking a safety here. Right. 
Well, exactly. So let's say there are five quarterbacks go in the first round. Now you'd still rank your board that way, but still. Yeah, take the quarterback, actually. Yeah, the uh, Niners want more quarterbacks to go. <laughs> Charlie with a super chat. John will uh, get this question and rank the 2020 quarterbacks. So Burrow, in order of draft order, it was Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Love, Hurts. Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Love, Hurts. Sneaky harder to think. Burrow's got to be one, or would you consider yeah. somebody else I mean, one? he's been to the Super Bowl, went toe-to-toe, beat Mahomes, and went toe-to-toe with him two years ago when they lost. I would put, And taken down Josh Allen. I, I think Herbert's got to be two. I uh, Herbert too. I think everyone would pick Herbert too. The one thing Jalen has in his back pocket is like, I out-dueled Mahomes yeah. in the Super Bowl. Right. Can anyone else say that? Justin, how many playoff games you played? One. You didn't play that well in the second half. Not all your fault, but so you're taking you're taking uh, Hurts. No, no, no. I'm no, just saying. Okay. Like, if I was an Eagle fan, you could yeah. take that. Uh, does Hurts definitely go three? Uh, Head of Tua and Love. Was a little more of a you know it's weird. Jalen's very serious, which is a good thing, but also sometimes like bro, you got to lighten up a little bit. Let's relax. Where Tua is the opposite. He's a little more bubbly personality. Tua is probably pretty fun to be around. I've seen How some clips go viral. Two was a playing the guitar on the Manning cast. <laughs> he played uh, at the Super Bowl party. They did an after party at EA. Did you see that? No. Him and D- Darius Rucker was playing Wagon Wheel, and Tua was on the guitar. Wow. Any uh, chance you'd go Jordan Love? We like look back after next year, and Jordan Love is number three on this list. If you're doing like a stock, like you're just this, I'm taking a little bit of flyer here. Yeah, could, it could blow up in my face, but you could even put him third. I think you could. I think you go. I think you go Burrow. Herbert loves stock, but he has not earned that yet. Kellen had a lot of success with Dak. And the one thing the Eagles are really good at is getting so is two guys. fifth on this list. Who do you think, if you had to bet right now, who's going to be a better team next year, the Eagles or the Dolphins? Well, the Eagles get Fangio too. I think Philly. I do too. So you go Hurts, Love, Tua. If you redrafted him right now, look at it that way. Which is kind of the same as the stock thing. I, I feel like two, legitimately, too, these guys would go like one through six, right, in the draft. You're saying in a real draft with other players? Well, Burrow, Herbert, Locke, one, two. Like in any draft they're in beside like Luck, Manning, and you know a couple guys, Mahomes, Josh Allen, if you could redo. I think Jordan Love, I, I don't see how you'd watch those last eight games, and you would take the flyer. I mean, Trey Lance went third. You would take Jordan Love third. Yeah, His oh, yeah. tape at the end of the year, again, some of it's like, what have you done for me lately? I think he might go third, don't you? Yes. Again, all, I think Tua the redraft, all these guys, are all these guys on rookie contracts too? Or like, Tua would go last to that. I think Tua's fifth in this conversation. And I think two is the only guy of this group that you're like, yeah, a couple other players went before the next quarterback. All right. Like who else was in that draft? Like, are there, is there like a Ben DiNucci? Oh yeah. Uh, you want it in order, but I'm just saying like, name me a sweet player. <clears throat> uh, Justin Jefferson's in it, I think. Right. Yeah. Cause it, this is the, 
This is Jefferson goes 22 right after. This is the, I just saw the clip the other day of the Vikings when the Eagles took Jalen Rager one spot ahead of them taking Justin Jefferson, and they all started laughing. Was well, like Tristan Wirfs in this draft? This is that draft, right? Correct. Ken Law's draft. Yep. Would you take? Would you rather have Tristan Wirfs or Justin Jefferson or Tua Tagovailoa? Right. I, I mean Jefferson. Would you go Jefferson Wirfs Tua? I think. Let me just. Worf's been like all pro and stuff. Worf's is a uh, multiple time all pro, pro bowl every year for last three time pro bowler. Yeah. Barely I misses. Think I, I, I think I would take four games. Can play right tackle, left tackle, kind of do it all. I, I would take Worf's over to a. It'd be one of those, like, I'll figure out my quarterback next year. Patrick Queen. Probably take Tua over a linebacker who's not like, not even the best linebacker on his own team. Chase Young went two. <laughs> Jeff Akuda went three. This that is the hurt. problem. Just I, I just think in general with draft trades and stuff for big name guys. Because if I told you like the 49ers got a first round and a second round pick the following year, you'd be like, oh my, what fucking value? And then eventually got to make the picks. I mean, the, the Warriors made some incredible moves right out of the Kevin Durant mess, got all these high picks. I saw like the Detroit Pistons. I don't know if it's their Reddit or their main blog, like their Warriors world. Like someone did a long piece on like why James Wiseman is the worst player in the NBA. (laughs) (laughs) So it just, it just shows you like, but if I tell you basketball, probably, but if I just, but if I just tell you like you have the number two overall pick, like what that's worth. Every fan, Hall every fan was like, fuck yeah. Give me, what do I got to give you? I'll give you anyone except these two players. Like, And then eventually you make the pick and it's that. It's just a CUDA. It's, even if the guy has a solid career, like Cleveland Farrell, if he doesn't hurt his knee, is like a starter in the Super Bowl and you feel good about him. He helps their run defense. Like that guy's, like Solomon Thomas, you're talking 10-year pros. You're like, what ground is this guy drafted? The third? Like, no, it's a second, third, fourth overall pick. I'm like, huh? Yeah, uh, Solomon Thomas. Who I saw walking around uh, one day when I was gambling, I looked over and there's Solomon Thomas walking down the. Uh, and he realized when they did the uh, pregame, he was nominated man of the year from uh-huh. the Jets. Uh, how do you look? Tall, not tall, but just like jacked. Could you tell? Would you have noticed? Uh, I just know his face. I, you know, yeah. the one thing with football players, unless you're like in the elevator with them. The thing that's crazy about football, I think I told you this when we were psyched to the Super Bowl, is like how innocuous a lot of the non famous guys are that can be like, you know, every time we'd meet a guy in the elevator, it was clear like certain humans aren't this size. Like that guy's a fucking D or offensive lineman. And you start being, they are pretty easygoing guys. You'd be like, oh, where are you coming from? And they'd be like, Dallas. You'd be like, yeah, but I'm from, I'm like, well, are you from there? He's like, no, I'm from Jacksonville. And they'd get off, and Maria would be like, you think he plays for the Cowboys? I'm like, yeah, maybe he went to Florida, and now he's on the Cowboys. Let's try to figure it out. But he, uh, he might just be living in Dallas. Maybe he plays for the fucking Titans. I don't know. But it's like, I, I know this guy's not just a regular citizen, but you have no clue who they are. None. I mean, I don't, you can't even point them out of a lineup. The guy I ran into, John. Was Britton Covey. 
And it was clear you know to what me. he looks like. Yeah, right? yeah. But what I'm going to say, it was clear to me that people around him walking by did not even know there was an NFL player. Right. He's five eight. Yeah. One seventy three. Plays for the Eagles. But that that's where I think facial recognition, like I saw at the volume party, Julian Edelman's a good example. Like just his body type. Yeah. His face is so famous, but his body type looks like normal human. So he's a good example. If you put a mask on him and he was just wearing my face or your face, he would just blend in society. But if you just grab like Jason Peters or something, you're like, Jesus fucking Christ, this guy's huge. Uh, Super chat question. Would you guys trade the Niners 31 pick and one of the thirds and a fourth to move up and pick an O-line tackle? So let's see. What would that get you? So we'll let's, let's do this uh, with the numbers, John, but you can react to that as I look up the numbers. I don't think you're trading up for it. You know, that's probably 30. So five, six spots. What is this? 31, a third and a fourth. So 31 for 600 points, 708. They have two fourths. That'd be like 760 points. You're getting up to like 23 with that. You're not getting up to 15 with that. The problem is 31 is not as valuable. Right. Yeah. It starts it starts dropping off a cliff <laughs> after like fifteen kind of right. Uh like me swapping, if I got pick twenty five and I want to get to fifteen, I gotta make up a lot of ground. And yeah, so like fourth pick, round picks aren't doing much. Pick fifteen is worth on the draft value chart one thousand fifty points. Pick thirty one's worth six hundred. So let's just say you give thirty one and sixty three, so your se- your first and your second is eight seventy six. We got to get to a thousand. We're at eight seventy six. I think I think what you do in a situation like that is you're trading the following year. You're trading future pick, picks, yeah. Which I, which I think is going to be on the table. I'm cool with the Niners doing that. Like I'm keeping my picks this year because I need them. But like, would you go from pick thirty one to pick eighteen and give up your 2025 first? Which most teams would immediately value that, don't you think? At twenty six to thirty two range. So you're not to them. You're like, well, you're actually giving me yeah. a pick worth eight hundred. Well, just eight to seven hundred. If you say we're pay- we're trading you thirty one twice, let's just say that's twelve hundred. So yeah, you you're right. You've landed in the twelve hundred is what twelve is worth. So you've landed in that range two once. I can't as another GM go from twelve to thirty one and only get your future one right. Get thirty one and thirty one. Yeah. But I'm but saying, you, would wouldn't that guy be crushed if I went from 12 to 31 and only got one other pick? Oh yeah. It's like, wait, you could get an impact player here. They'd gladly do that. Like I, I think the Niners would do that February 21st at 2:21 p.m. right now. Two ones for the 12th pick. I think they would do two ones for anything higher than like 15. I'd do that pick, wouldn't you? Their their 2025 first round pick to get one of the best 10 players in the draft, yeah. which is an offensive or defensive lineman, which I think they would go. Which it might be the anchor of your line for the next decade, right? Once yeah. Trent's gone in five years, Trent's not retiring anytime soon. But Or you just sit there and make the pick like the fucking Ravens. Just pick good players. Uh, Chiefs. Did the Ravens tra- – no, they, did they trade up to get safe flowers or were they just sitting there at 22? I think they were uh, – I don't know. All right, whatever. Uh, 
Get that running back in the third, though. I'm fine with it. Okay. On that note, anything else to add? Spring training's here. <laughs> Tell you what, man. I've got a friend that's an Angels fan, and I just think Anthony Rendon is so good for – I just – great, great MLB. Baseball never gets stories like this. Baseball – one of baseball's problems, they got no villains. There's nobody to hate. That's why the Dodgers getting like excellent is actually, I bet below on prize picks, uh, Shohei Otani, like 39 and a half homers, just to give me something to root against the Dodgers for this year. You know what I mean? Um, just for the juice. So what would you say there? What would you say? Not what Vegas says, but how many games Dodgers win? 109. I mean, they're winning 100 pretty comfortably, don't you think? Yeah. Which will be that's great. Like, that's, you want them to go into the postseason with like 114 wins and everyone's picking them to win the World Series. I saw Freddie Freeman did his, uh, he did like, they were taking, you know, live bullpen or whatever, but he wasn't going to swing. He just stood in there for the. Who is this? Freddie Freeman. Okay. For the dude threw his first like simulated couple innings, the <laughs> Japanese guy. Yeah. And his comment was just. All I know is I'm glad he's on our team. Wow. Like he was like, it was filthy. And they had like the back view of balls going everywhere. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But then I, I was watching local news and like the manager was like, yeah, Corbin Carroll, this fucking guy's got a Hall of Famer. Like the Diamondbacks don't suck. I mean, they were just in the World Series. Didn't he they kind of underachieved. The, did he win the Cy? No, this is the, this is like their star player. He had like 30 home runs. I'm saying oh. his name right. Uh, Corbin, Corbin Carroll. Yeah, you're saying I, I who's don't they have a pitcher with like a similar name? You're correct though. This guy's like a positional player. Yeah, center field. 30 home runs. Ham's not ready for baseball talk. He's 23 years old. <laughs> yeah. This is a long way of saying the Giants just brought Pablo Sandoval to uh spring no, training. I don't talk that, about that. It, it's a pretty big sign that look, I'll give the Giants credit. They're good at uh just doing shit like that. They're doing it for a reason, and it's it, it could be tough. Rookie of the year, John. Corbin Carroll, rookie of the year. I thought I, I saw... Do you know that Aaron Hicks is married to Cheyenne Woods, Tiger's sister? No. I thought That's the Giants sister. signed Aaron Hicks, but then I saw something online that mm. he was wearing an Angels uniform. Did you think Aaron Hicks was on the Giants or no? Am I crazy? No, I did not think that. You think he was on the Angels? I didn't. I mean, if you would ask me who's he on, I would have said of the Orioles, which is where he finished last year after the Yankees let him go and he signed with the Orioles and ended a home run against the Yankees. I, I did look up. At, I did look up at first take today at the gym, and you know, it's one of those where TV's on mute, and you, they have like the CCs up there, and it's Stephen A. who is kind of going all star casual, like he's not even two chains, two, two chains two outside chains the out, shirt, yeah, no jacket. Then there's like it wouldn't have been JJ, maybe it was Shannon, maybe it was just the chick who was narrated and Russo on the other side, and they were JJ they was were there doing, too. But this was the uh, Rendon segment. Oh, okay. And I, you could tell I they to, were. You no, know, I, I, I just that. see him going like this and new. Yes, that. but that's that's an easy first taker because you get yes, a guy which is what baseball million. needs. They need some easy first takers. Because I saw JJ Reddick was like, you know, I did a video on uh, something, something. I don't even know some basketball thing. Fifty five thousand views. I had a a take on a coach. Three million views. 
Don't fans want to be educated? It's like, no, fans do not want your X. Like, all these producers in television think fans want their X and O breakdowns for five minutes. And then the safety, it's cloud. The fans don't want, no, people are not doing that. I mean, some people are, but the thing that hits the most people isn't that. It's not. It's not that. It's never You know what's so disingenuous? And I, I think I, 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 I've, I watched some of JJ's stuff online. Like, I, he's pretty good. Like, I don't, I'm not talking about as a broadcaster calling games. I don't watch much NBA. I'm just saying, like, his, what he does, talking about it, like, he kind of knows what he's doing. JJ, you went in, because I, this is, I did follow this story, because I saw Austin Rivers go back at him. Yeah, this isn't just, there? I went in on a coach, like, John Middlecoff talked shit about Brandon Staley. This is a guy that you played for for a long time, who some of his most famous teams, you were a starting fucking two or three or whatever position you actually, I guess you were the shooting guard. Like, no, this was your coach. So your personal vendetta, like most people kind of, this guy played for the Clippers with Doc Rivers. Like it was, it's not like just some rando on football guy talking shit about Belichick. If Brady talks like you're connected to this guy and you went nuts. Like I saw the clip, like he was like, God, Doc fucking pissing his Cheerios or something. That's why when mm. Austin went back at him, do you see that clip? Was Austin supposed to be on TV or he just showed up for this fight? He's bet he's been on TV a little more recently. Still in the I, NBA or no? Uh, not this year. Okay. But I thought Austin was like, JJ, this was your guy who you had the most success with. And I was thinking about it today. Like, I remember going to some of those Warrior Clipper games when the Warriors kind of would have <laughs> flipped. JJ was the mark. Remember, yeah. they would just attack him. Yeah. And it was like the way you attacked it, it's a difference of like, listen, it's and the business. Chris. You got to have some uh, opinions. But I'm saying specifically on defense, JJ Reddick couldn't guard any of them, right? Couldn't guard Clay, couldn't guard Steph. If they got someone on him, he was fucking cooked. I bet Doc would say, you are a fucking major liability. And like Austin said, all he did was run around, catch and shoot immediately. Can't do anything else. <laughs> I just thought it was very personal the way he like, Maybe he got it was extra personal. animated. Well, it clearly was. Yeah, maybe it was. So when he's saying, like, I, I think this gets back to being very disingenuous, yet no one gives a fuck about the X's and O's of these sports when you're talking about super, super high amount of people watching. But your rant on just a coach, it was kind of unique. I think if you just went on a rant on some rando coach, probably not getting 3 million views, right? Uh, no, but I mean, he could do a, he could probably do a Steve Wilkes take that would do better than his X and O breakdown. 100%, but that's like, it's pretty Low hanging fruit. Yeah. They think like some of these guys treat it like it's low hanging fruit. So, all right, fine. Do the X and O breakdown and people will watch it. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of different content out there for a lot of different people. I'm not here to knock X and O breakdowns. I just, uh, yeah, I guess we're saying the same thing. I think it, it's odd that guys don't recognize why there's a difference. Cause it just, it's a wider, you're casting a wider net. And this goes back to the Anthony Rendon thing. You need the easiest possible. The NFL has, and the NBA has for a long time. The easiest possible storylines to consume. I got eight minutes on a treadmill. Can I follow this story? Right. And that's what star player mad at the guy, happy about the guy. Like that. Those are easy stories. Anthony Rendon says, doesn't want to be here. Everyone rips him. That's an easy story. Yeah. I mean, guy, he said that baseball is not a major priority. He just put it third behind. He just put a third. That's all. They paid him two hundred fifty million dollars. It's also the job. I just treat like a job. It's also the way. Like some some people have said. Like even Brock kind of said. Like you know, faith comes first for me. If God told me to do something else, then I would. 
But when you hear him talk, you're like, ah, but he likes doing this. Rendon, I've heard, I've watched like four different interviews because I can't get enough. And every time he's like, you think I want to be here at 7 a.m. answering these questions? And the guy's like, well, but what I'm, I already answered you. You know, he's just combative. It's really, it's cooking, John. This We got a story. This one's cooking. Unfortunately, it'll do more clicks for them than any Shohei highlights they put out. For sure. But he, and this is where I always push back on like the print media gets very angry about the changing landscape of everything. And I was talking to someone about this yesterday. I actually think there's never been an easier time to do this stuff. You know, 20 years ago, if you didn't work for a newspaper or radio, you had no shot. Like that was the only places you could make any money. Now you can self-create YouTube podcast on top of that stuff. You can write a sub stack. Obviously having built-in audience and stuff help. But we get to choose. The consumer gets to choose. And I think the media always pushes back like we're a bunch of idiots. You just give it. No, like I'm more interested in this than else. Like I have I used to not be able to choose as a kid. I had to read the Sacramento Bee or the San Francisco Chronicle. And if I didn't have cable, whatever was on the local news. And even when I had cable back when we were kids, there were just way less channels. So that's why ESPN was such a big deal. But even I remember being like the late 90s would just replay the same sports center over and over and over. Like my options were very, very limited. Now I have a million fucking options, which you could argue sucks, but also I think as a consumer, it's incredible. Like I get to find what I want to watch, listen to, or read. I get to choose. I've never gotten to choose the majority of my life in terms of the amount of options on the menu. Well, it's like anything else. You are far more interested in what you want to know than what you have to know. Like you're more interested in doing whatever you want to do if you're sitting there in math class and you got a Game Boy in your hands or whatever, you'd want you'd rather just do the thing you want to do than the thing somebody else thinks you should do. Sometimes those people are right, but it doesn't change what your actions are going to be if you're in control of what you get to do, right? It's just it's it's it applies to media, it applies to literally everything. If given the choice to just eat whatever you want to eat or eat what you should eat, and if the result was the same, you would just eat what you want to eat. It's it, this applies to literally everything you can think of. I'd rather just do the thing I want to do than the thing that somebody else thinks I should do. Well, just because you have a lot of options doesn't mean everything's good. Like we've all watched a lot of dumb things on streaming stuff. Just like that's true. We've read a lot of dumb articles throughout the years at different places, but I I do. I, what did uh, uh, Leo say? And, you know, I've been rich and I've been poor and I choose rich every time. Like I've seen them both. And I choose this version of having the unlimited options. Like, yeah, getting the Sports Illustrated when I was like, it's easy to be nostalgic. And this is where I think like the writers, because their industry have been impacted the most. Like I, I understand living in the past, but like that past is not only never coming back. It, I, I thought it was just, I thought the reaction to the Sports Illustrated going under, like I, guys, I thought Sports Illustrated went under like 10 years ago. What, what's everyone getting up in arms about? Especially when it's we got like, nostalgic about getting the mag. They stopped spent sending that mag like, Fucking forever ago. Harbaugh was the coach, maybe before that, of USD. And I think for a lot of periods in history, like the media loves throwing out corporate greed. I think you're at a point in time now, it's like no one's reading this stuff anymore. This ain't corporate greed. It's like the consumer has disappeared. Like there are certain times when that works, and there are certain times of like no one's consuming it. There's no no greed because there's no money to be made. It doesn't pencil. It makes no sense. That's why magazines, like, when's the last time? I mean, think about, do magazines even exist? I know they exist, but I mean, remember the power they had in the 90s or the, even, I would say, when we were in college? 
They they dramatically fell off a cliff right yeah, away. I mean, it's what you would when you were being lazy. When people were like get off your phone, you were looking at a magazine. Once upon a time, the, the world changed. Yep, I, I'm still looking at the magazine. It's just on my phone. Well, exactly. Have you heard about the uh, Chilean robbers? Mm-mm. Well, there's a. Uh, <laughs> there have been because it happened in Scottsdale. It's happened where my family lives in like Elm Cerro. Okay. In Sacramento, that there, and it's happening all. It's happened in Detroit. It's happened all over America. That these people are robbing a home. That they they scalp it out. They go in, no weapons or anything. It's like three or four of them, and they go in the uh, in the master bedroom, and they're in and out with five or six minutes. They know you're gone. So they okay. usually watch you like walk a dog. They go in around dinner time. Usually when you go on a dog walk, or maybe go out to eat oh, or damn. whatever. And this is. It happened a couple times. Like it happened one time in El Macero, and like five more happened. And someone sent me the Vanity Fair article that it's like it's like Chilean mafia because someone's like, how do they know? Like they're going to affluent areas. Like how the fuck would anyone know to go to Montana to a certain area? Like they they know exactly where to go. Like they've gone to North Scottsdale, like where Silverleaf is, like where John Rom lives, because they attack areas where there's a golf course. There is like a wash. There's like a desert. There's just an easy way. A wash would be like if you kind of live, you know, in Scottsdale, for example, your backyard just kind of turns into like desert. So it's like an easy, you're not doing it like on the road. You're doing it where you run away and no one's there type deal. It's why golf courses are incredible if you can get it because you can just get on the golf course and go either way and no one can see you. But after like the third or fourth time, because my brother was like, this is fucking crazy. All these people get, and they're in and out within five minutes. You can't see anything. They go right to the master, the closet. And in some of these affluent areas in like Montana or in this Vanity Fair article, they had got well over a hundred grand. Like one of the guys in Elmacero had like fucking lost a watch. You know, you don't know what you're going to get, but you got a pretty good, you know, you're in and out and you'll, you'll break the safe, take it with you. But it's, it's modern day. Like, all this stuff, because I've been saying forever, all the stuff that's going on in California with the targets and stuff. This is all modern day crime, like the crime, like syndicates. Like right. These people work under it's modern day mafia. Yeah, the guy robbing Walgreens for the most part or banging windows out of cars like they are then taking the computers to a person or a swap meet or something like there's a bigger entity. It, right. They all, all the um, catalytic hot, converters. Same deal. 100%. And I was thinking about, I'm a big mob guy. <laughs> the mob, think about As in mob. you're big in like that they still exist? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not in oh. the mob. I, I'm not. A Thank you for that I don't disclaimer. think they exist as much. I'm just saying the history of the mob. I love watching those shows oh, got it. and documentaries okay. and listening to stuff about them. When they were in power, to keep that power, they had to use the money they were racketeering or whatever to pay off the politicians. Now these people running these syndicates have like all these powerful people in society essentially paying off the politicians to have them not be able to be arrested. It's it's crazy how things like history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes, but in like similar ways and weird spots. Someone texted me the other day, two NFL scouts earlier in the fall got robbed at the San Jose in and out. And one of the dudes, I guess, is a Former NFL quarterback, I don't know, I didn't recognize the name, but he's like, he's a big motherfucker. Because think about in and outs it's prime spot. You're either going in there, ton of cars, or you're stuck 
You're stuck. Right? You think they're going up the cars in the drive-thru? I don't think this guy got robbed at gunpoint. I think as they were walking in, someone flew up, shattered, boom, out. Got it. But that's a good example of like, these people aren't just then selling that on, like this is all part of like the modern day mob. Yeah, yeah. Modern day cartel. Right. And that's what like part of this Vanity Fair article on these guys robbing the master bedrooms, they don't bring weapons. So if they are caught, guess what? You can't, especially in some of these states, they ain't, they'll be in and out oh, yeah. quick. I found this article from 2022. Used to be you knew what to read because it just, everyone got the same magazine. You read what was in it. Yeah. Now someone's got to recommend something to you. We've had a hmm. bunch of these in North Scottsdale. I mean, they're, luckily I don't quite live on a wash. Kind of do, but I don't even have much for them to steal. They'd be pretty disappointed. You should just leave some signed headshots. I mean, they, they know exactly what they're doing. And, wow. and one of the things in that article is like, it's pretty clear going to all these cities, these fucking refugees or these people that they're not American. They don't just randomly, they're not guessing. This is an orchestrated, you go to the city, you know, that they're telling you what areas to hit. The Montana thing's a great example. Fucking, I couldn't I just show up to Europe to know where to go. Uh, and I'd imagine in Montana, there's a lot of homes that aren't occupied 365 days a year, too. Well, that's the other thing. So you go to these communities where it's some of that easy pickings. The The highlight of the article was this one guy that lived in like the equivalent of one of the nicer areas in Florida. They came out with over $1.2 million of shit. I mean, it was, and none in of one it was house? cash. In one house, yeah. Bracelets, watches. Uh, like, like they ain't seen laptops, you know. 165,000 precious gems. Two bracelets valued at 38000 A $15,000 Rolex. One of the guys in, in Davis, I don't know the exact number. I just know it wasn't like five or ten grand that got jacked. Had a lot of cash in, I think, the sock drawer. Oh. Oh. That hurts. That hurts. That hurts. All right. I'll go read the article. It's called... Uh, it's actually Thieves in the Night. night. Yeah, they're coming. Thieves in the Night. They're, they're, they're not even coming. They're, they're here. They're, they're here. They, yeah. They, right. they hit a house down the street from me. We could, I mean, two days ago. If these motherfuckers start a podcast, YouTube stream, the ones that get caught one of them will be John Gotti. Yeah. Well, one of them get caught and then just do a pod about it through the wire. That's some of I've watched some YouTubes on some of these. I think they're pretty confident the mob's dead, so they're kind of giving all the secrets. Okay. And you know it's it's one of those you start doing the math you're like god the mob kind of peaked in the 80s you're like 68 you know as much as you know <laughs> no there's not really anybody to come out and be like fact check you though is the problem what think about it it's 2024 i mean the mob was kind of really rolling like jfk days like this this guy's got like five grays <laughs> they killed kennedy that's what i know i was a part of it i just think we got a lot of like the the old school mob is dead, but that type shit, I think, is rocking and rolling. How could it not? If you don't, like, it's actually probably never been a better time to be in the in criminality that isn't 
like the problem with them all, like you can't murder no matter what, like no matter where you go. But like some of these other crimes, like we're not going to get any trouble. You just get back. And they, they don't even confiscate the shit if you hide it well enough. Yeah. I mean, what really happened to the catalytic converter? It was a major multi-state, multi-billion dollar crime ring. Uh, I don't remember the total number of people, but, you know, there's only so many people you can catch. And I would imagine they're not doing 50 to life. Fuck no. Um, all right. On that note, someone said, is Cam Latu going to start over Kittle after a Super Bowl mistake? No chance. Okay. Anything else to add? No. <laughs> I said. <laughs> Keep your head on the swivel for the Chilean uh, yeah. land gangs, man. That's what's always funny in movies is you like someone's staking out a spot. You know, they'll be in a car. They'll be like in a pickup truck across the street. And you just always think like, how does the, there's somebody sitting in the car? How do you not see him? But um, I don't think, you know, that we generally notice people just sitting in a car four houses down. No, you're not. Even Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for the Chileans. All right. On that note. And honestly, maybe the Chileans are getting a bad rap. Could be someone else. <laughs> They're getting framed. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Later. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.